the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. The deal to allow the safe transport of grain out of Ukraine by sea was an extraordinary and unprecedented agreement between enemy combatants. And the fact that it has seen 17 million tons exported to date has, quite literally, been a matter of life and death as well as a minor diplomatic miracle. But the initiative is deeply flawed and survives despite its status as a political bargaining chip and routine threats from Russia to shut it down. Despite its drawbacks and limitations, it is our view that the deal will likely survive 2023, but there are a few guarantees and several risk factors which could yet scuttle this essential lifeline. So we're taking a deep dive into the Ukraine Grain Corridor this week on the podcast, bringing you insights from three of the world's leading experts as we examine how sustainable the Grain Corridor is and the role it plays in wartime economics, policy, and diplomacy. I'm Bridget Dykin, Lloyd's List resident data analyst, and I have been following the evolution of the Ukraine Grain Corridor since its inception. Despite the flaws in the system, what has become clear is that the corridor has gone some way towards easing bottlenecks and business operations. Stanislav Zinchenko is the CEO at GMK Center, a Ukrainian consulting firm focusing on European steel markets, and he thinks that overall the agreement has had a positive impact on domestic trade and logistics. You know, uh, main uh, advantage uh, of the agreement for Ukraine, I can I would say estimate only from our point of view in Ukraine, uh, is the acceleration of the time of delivery of Ukrainian products to customers. Before the Green Deal, the key of wagon uh, of wagons on the western board of Ukraine was 45 days. And the delivery time of for any products that we shipped from Ukraine through railway was from 60 to 90 days, which is not really unacceptable, for example, for Grain 2. The Green Deal unloaded railway crossing on the western border of Ukraine and expanded the possibility of export. Now, every you, under, you must understand that uh, every ton of exported products uh, is very important for Ukraine, which uh, because according to various estimates, we have lost uh, from 30 to 40 percent of our economy. So that's why we uh, we need export of our commodities, raw materials, products uh, to survive to be alive. Uh, so now, uh, for example, with Green Deals, uh, with Green uh, Initiative, I, I would say uh, uh, key on our Western border, not more than from 10 till 12 days. It's, it's, it, it's normal. It's normal situation. Despite the clear success of the agreement in getting Ukrainian agricultural products to global markets during war and improving Ukraine's supply chains, the implementation of the deal has been criticized. Ukraine's Minister of Infrastructure, Oleksandr Kuprikov, has become increasingly outspoken about the shortcomings of the agreement and Russia's deliberate manipulation of the deal's requirements to limit its effectiveness. Mr. Kuprikov has accused Russian inspectors of keeping vessel inspections at a minimum, which is slowing down operations and limiting the participating port's capacities to about 50%. In December, he said only about six vessels are inspected each day, when it is necessary for about 40 to be carried out to maximize the effectiveness of the corridor. For those who don't know, inspections are mandatory under the agreement and are conducted jointly by Russia, Turkey, Ukraine, and the UN. These teams conduct inbound and outbound inspections, checking documentation and looking for any unauthorized cargo or crew. Yorick Ishik, a geopolitical analyst from the Istanbul-based consultancy Bosphorus Observer, argues the absurdity of the inspections clause. 
Russians are really masters of uh, demanding things they never have at the beginning and somehow bargaining their uh, to a position that they obtain something they, they never had at the beginning. And then they negotiate and they try to build on this point. Russia really has no right to inspecting international traffic coming into Ukraine. They created this uh, scenario that they are so worried about the armaments are coming through uh, bulk carriers into Ukraine. This is actually a fantasy scenario. Bulk carriers are not designed to carry uh, military cargo. It will be very dangerous. And there is no such thing happening. There is no such event ever happened in this war that the bulk carriers secretly smuggled uh, weapons to Ukraine. The the deal was designed as good as it could be. But when you have this uh, suddenly out of the blue, you start inspecting ships. The grain is a commodity that it requires a massive logistics operation. That's why there is no alternative, although many countries try to find ways like uh, for Ukraine to try to export via Danube or via rail via Poland, etc., this 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 is not just something you can change overnight and it requires hundreds of ships to carry all this grain and you suddenly put an element of inspecting all these ships because Russians demand it automatically you are kind of a little bit doomed to fail and this is that's why you know it's like I'm not just being cynical uh, versus Russian foreign policy Russians know this also they, they design these deals so eventually even it will fail or they can very easily, how they are doing right now, they can internally sabotage it. You know, like, you don't see it right now. Like, even two months ago, or one, like when was it, six weeks ago, there was a crisis if Ukraine, I mean, if Russia is pulling out, and they attempted to pull out for this 24 hours, 36 hours period, and then they bizarrely made a U-turn on their policy, and they came back to the grain deal, and everyone thinks, okay, it's working. But since then, what's happening, they are not... Um, they are not engaging in the inspection with uh, full capacity. Every day, you uh, like this is a rough calculation, but for this grain to move efficiently, every day we should inspect a dozen ships. If you are inspecting less than 12 ships, you are doomed to fail. It's, it's slowing down. And, you know, right now with Russians inspecting, uh, inspecting less and um, some teams are not getting on the ships, are... Uh, also, because we enter to the winter period, and so there is all kind of bad weather uh, we have in Istanbul. There were storms from last, two, you know, it, the Bosphorus just opened uh, 24 hours ago. It was closed for two days, more than two days for the fog. And, you know, there's all kind of other weather phenomenon happening. And uh, the inspectors are not heroically inspecting the ships. You see that in any moment, Russian team can, you know, slow down the process. They are not around. And uh, so, like, the plans are done, and we see from the UN communiques that, you know, they made so many plans, etc. But at the end of the day, they say, we run out of the team, uh, we run out of the uh, time. And you see that Russian team is inspecting in a very classic way. It's almost like a, you know, little bit, uh, it's like you will say, uh, in, a, in a Soviet style, like, in the inspections, etc., they excel. They're inspecting those ships. They are really inspecting every part of the ship. It's even inspecting like the fuel part, etc. Et like it's making an it's environmental inspection. These are ridiculous parts. You know, they are clearly trying to slow down the process. 
It is not just activities under the agreement that is the problem, but even the sheer existence of an agreement that restricts the exports of a sovereign nation is a major concern, especially given the aggressor's ability to play such a prominent role in the trade of the country it has attacked. Black Sea is an international body of water. It's not a it's not a Russian lake. It was not a Soviet lake. It's not a Russian lake. They shouldn't have a say who comes and goes out of the Ukrainian ports. So like sometimes I get frustrated when I see that people just focus so much on if the grain deal is working or if the grain deal will survive, etc. Actually, there should be really no grain deal. Ukraine, Ukrainian ports should be open for free trade for all the ships coming from around the world. The disproportionate power that Russia holds is problematic. Not only is it able to limit the initiative's potential, but it's ultimately a tool in Russia's diplomatic arsenal. This was evident at the end of October, when it suspended activities relating to the Black Sea Grain Initiative for several days after its Black Sea fleet was attacked in Crimea. Although for a short period of time, it caused chaos. Some vessels were able to move, but it was completely unclear if shipments would be able to continue. The point is, with fairly little effort on its part, Russia was able to bring its ship movements nearly to a halt and render the agreement almost completely ineffective. Now, just because Russia holds this power does not necessarily mean that it will exercise it and pull out of the initiative again, explains Cormac McGarry, Associate Director at Control Risks. Of course, there are consequences. You know, there's a reason Russia has entered into this agreement. Uh, Many, many reasons, which includes its own successes and failures in the conflict, uh, as well as, you know, how it's perceived on the international stage. Russia still has to play itself as as one of the permanent five Security Council members in the world. You know, it it does see itself as as adhering to international responsibilities and norms still. Um, and, and so that all plays into the diplomacy of the initiative. Still, given this is a useful diplomatic tool, the risk of a withdrawal always exists and circumstances on the ground play a key role in determining if and how the initiative continues. Ongoing success of the initiative in 2023 is very much related to the trajectory of the war in Ukraine itself. And on, on current predictions, of course, we can never really predict the future uh, six months ahead from now, but on current trajectories, uh, it looks like uh, the, the initiative will be renewed when the when the next renewal date in March 2023 comes up, unless there's some significant change in the trajectory of the war, or if there's some major event, in particular the kind of event that would be seen as some kind of a red line by Russia. Uh, you know, the threat itself may not necessarily be in response to some major Ukrainian success or major Ukrainian attack. It could be to get more diplomatic leverage on the initiative itself. So, for example, Russia has been pushing to uh, include their own uh, ammonia uh, exports to the initiative, uh, which Ukraine has refused. So Russia could again issue that threat as, as, a, as a means to push its ammonia exports into the, into the initiative. On the other side, uh, Ukraine is trying to expand the initiative um, to include um, the port of Mykolaiv, uh, which is something that Russia has also blocked. So those are kind of two sides of that diplomatic coin that Russia and Ukraine are probably more likely to play off each other in the coming months. Um, which is, I guess, it's a 
it's a smaller diplomatic dispute within the larger initiative, uh, within the larger diplomacy of the, of the initiative. The expansion of the Green Deal has been on the agenda for several months now. The United Nations began negotiating the extension and possible expansion of the agreement in the run-up to the original expiration date in November. Ukraine requested the inclusion of the Port of Mykolaiv, as well as steel commodities. The initiative is currently restricted to agricultural products and has always been framed as a humanitarian effort, a diplomatic win for both parties. However, for Ukraine, it is also a major lifeline, and the addition of other core products would be a boost to its economy that it desperately needs. Iron and steel products used to account for about 35% of Ukraine's exports, and last year the sector made up 10% of the country's GDP. Russia is also seeking greater gains through the agreement, mainly through the restart of ammonia exports via a pipeline that runs through Ukraine. The deal was eventually renewed in November with no amendments, but these discussions are ongoing. Mr. Zinchenko explains here why it is necessary for the corridor to be expanded from a Ukrainian point of view. Yeah, President of Ukraine Vladimir Zelensky discussed uh, last uh, for two weeks with uh, Turkish leader Recep Tayyip Erdogan a possible expansion of the Green Corridor. Uh, I think it's possible because the Green uh, Initiative is beneficial for Turkey. Therefore, I'm sure that they will find an opportunity to continue Green Deal and support uh, green, uh, this Green Initiative and also to uh, ex- uh, this uh, to make uh, how to say enlarge uh, uh, for any other food products, for example, corn, fodder crops, and something else. Uh, I'm sure it's possible uh, when it will be beneficial for uh, Turkey and other big players. Uh, because, as I told before, uh, Russia see a uh, green initiative like diplomatic, how to say, casus belli for trying to work without sanction. They also need export. And uh, I believe that it's necessary to consider the unblocking of seaports for the export of other types of products, including ores, iron ore and metals. Uh, so we calculated that monthly export losses in Ukraine iron and steel industry because of blocked seaports reach uh, 420 million dollars. Every month we uh, lose so many exports. So uh, Ukrainian iron and steel companies exporters had to redirect cargo flows to European Union seaports in Romania, Constanza, Bulgaria, Burgas, Poland, Gdynia, Gdansk, Szczecin, Svinaustia, Croatia, Rijeka, Ploče. Germany, Hamburg, Bremen, Hafen, Bremen. But uh, as, a, as a result, average distance to dispatch port for Ukrainian exporters increased by five times, and shipping costs to port of destination raised three, four times in average. So it's uh, destroyed Ukrainian export of iron ore, steel products, and other products. So, uh, and uh, for example, if Ukraine, uh, w- uh, if we will have uh, open seaports, for our uh, iron ore export, we can export monthly right now 1.3 million ton of iron ore, 150,000 ton of pig iron, 200,000 ton of semi-finished products, uh, and so on. So it's very important, not only uh, not only for Ukraine. For example, uh, Mina region lost 2 million tons of iron ore 
due to blocking of Ukrainian ports. In last year, they imported practically 2 million tons of our iron ore and also pig iron and also other products. Now they don't have uh, these products from Ukraine, so they must import uh, from other regions and it increased cost, it increased delivery time and as a result they also lose margin. Uh, so uh, we must understand that uh, Ukraine was a big player on the market. Yeah, uh, Not big, not big global steel or, or iron ore producer, but big and important player because of location, because of price, because of capacity and other things. So uh, but uh, uh, it's not only about uh, iron ore and steel, grain. It's also about other uh, materials, uh, goods. Uh, and uh, we see that uh, global economy is so integrated and global supply chain are so fragile. Uh, and uh, COVID also show, showed it to us. So that's why uh, I think that uh, seaports must be unblocked. Uh, for export and uh, also uh, I believe that is possible with diplomatically support of European Union, USA, uh, Gulf, Gulf country governments, uh, Turkey and other. And I'm sure that uh, how to say Russia is also will win from this. It remains to be seen if the agreement will be revised and, as discussed, the trajectory of the war and diplomatic negotiations will determine progress on this front. While we can all agree that the Black Sea Grain Initiative in its current form is by no means perfect, and while the parties disagree over its scope and implementation, at a broader level the Ukrainians and Russians both gain from its existence, be it economically or diplomatically, which is why it will continue. Uh, yes, this kind of remains a $64,000 question if it will survive the 2023. And uh, it is, um, I think, in the big picture, it looks like it will, because despite mm. all unhappinesses, all parties wanted so far to survive. We see that Green Deal is a part of large regional geoeconomic game and agreements. Russia also also wants to be able to export grain, ammonia, fertilizers under this deal without sanctions. Uh, that's why uh, both uh, the Green Deal and various diplomatic clashes around this uh, grain agreement will continue in 2023, from my point of view. The Grain Corridor succeeds just in the fact of existing, and I think it's important to end with some much-needed perspective from Mr. Zinchenko, who told me that it is necessary to continue with the initiative and unblock the remaining ports because the jobs created show a life outside of war and it offers hope to the Ukrainian people. Uh, from my point of view, it's, it's, it's success, for, uh, success for Ukraine, uh, because, as I told you, uh, I'm not political, I'm not military, I'm economist. That's why, from my point of view, I told you, every ton of exported products of Ukraine, in Ukraine, from Ukraine, it's a uh, happiness. Because we have work for people, taxes, incomes, and so on. So, grain agreement, uh, uh, this grain initiative, not only help to people in the world with food security, but also help to Ukraine to survive. Not only help to people in the world, with food security, but also help to Ukraine to survive. <laughs>